Hi, and welcome to The Theology Box, a podcast dedicated to seeing how God fits into the world we live in. We hope you enjoy your time with us today, where theology is the conversation. Hey there. Hey there. We've got William Carroll (laughs) and uh, Mark Miller here for uh, our very first podcast got going on here yeah yeah i was uh we had a little bit of a frustrating ride getting to this point because due to technological advances that don't really make you feel very advanced <laughs> technical equipment failure anyway the idea for the podcast is a theological exercise so i've had a couple of ideas on like where i want to go sure sure um one of them is dial definitely i want it to be like dialogue uh oriented uh-huh. with um i think in technical ways okay. especially when it comes to theology because my master's is in theology and ethics with theological studies yeah uh-huh. i don't think that translates perfectly into like the Christian life, right? Like my okay. own choices that I make, the things that I do. Yeah, some of it is probably based on my th- theology, uh-huh. but really it comes down to what's practical in the moment. Okay. And uh, what, and my emotional state. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. So that's kind of so. Uh, so I want to bring people with these different perspectives on, and kind of meet them talk about their faith and um, maybe give some theological insight that I have or that they might have. And that's, okay. I think it's important to connect the two worlds because um, mm-hmm. I was reading an article yesterday um, about how the, the church has plenty of self-help books. Uh-huh. But they don't really stock the theology section too well. Okay. And that's you know that's fine. Um, mm. I re- I like theolo- theological books, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good to have like a foundation and a basis for what you're believing, but also like living out. Uh, and that yeah, I think sometimes people can get just like caught up in okay, well here are just some practical piece of advice. And just like a general, a general, uh, you know, maybe like backing of scripture rather than saying like, here's like an in-depth look at what scripture presents and then saying, okay, now let's base, base like what we do and say and think like off of that more so. Um, and I think, and, and may- maybe in some cases, like that's where like controversies can either like come up more when you're not looking at like a real in-depth look of what is being like presented and just maybe more like sound bites. Yeah. Uh, and, but... and, you know, it's kind of like, um, I think that's, that's true. There's, I think there's two ends to that. You know, you can get so caught up in the details that they become debatable mm, uh-huh. and then you can get so far away from the details uh-huh. that any detail is like automatically either rejected yeah. or if it didn't come from like the pulpit, then it's, it's like a lie and we 
uh, tend to be very comfortable in, in the in the church, in the church that we choose, to where we don't like, not necessarily question the things that we receive, but we don't uh-huh. like examine, you know, scripture, uh-huh. and and um, like, and there are certain hot button issues that hopefully we'll get into in the show, with uh-huh. um, I don't know, I don't know, women in leadership, uh-huh. um, the role of um, like homosexuality in the church and how that, mm. what that's all about and how far do we open the doors to that lifestyle versus, and uh-huh. what is our role of acceptance? Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. So whereas I'm probably more liberal, I, I'm, I'd imagine you're more conservative on that issue. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So, um, but so then that's kind of like the idea is like, well, you could be opposed to something if we don't explore why you feel that way and why I feel this way, uh-huh. then we both end up in different camps. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. So I don't I, I would like to I my hope is that the show helps unite the church in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah, that's good. While also educating people and and meeting meeting them where they are. Mm. Yeah, actually, just yesterday, I was um, editing a, a short, like, book pamphlet for a pastor slash colleague um, that I'd worked with a couple years back right after I graduated um, from college, and that who who I saw just, like, kind of through happenstance at an event about a month or so ago, and what he was writing on is something that you kind of touched on right there. Uh, or at least that it kind of triggered that in my mind about um, like a lot of people tend to think of like these hot uh, hot topic like issues and you know just kind of stay at a distance like once you know that you're in one camp and someone is in the other there's like reluctance to to actually like have you know constructive conversations without just kind of reverting to oh well I know that I'm right so this can only go so far anyway. Um, but what, what, uh, what Greg was writing about that I was, um, you know, looking into yesterday was touching on the fact that like, as, as followers of Christ, the emphasis should be more on showing, showing love to people and being, at least being civil to people, regardless of what, what quote unquote camp you find yourself in and starting from there rather than trying to like, look at, you know, let's say like political structures to like solve your problems, but that like people, I guess just like the heart, the heart that everyone carries is what is most valuable. And that like someone's political stances or opinions or beliefs is coming from like their life, their heart. Hmm. Uh, and that it's not just like trying to fix or like deal with like what's on the, the surface. Um, because if you're only just dealing with, with the surface and you're only just like addressing opinions, but if you're only just hitting on that and you're not like, if basically if you're letting other people's opinions determine how you treat them, you should be looking at the other way around and like have the basis be like, you're not, you're not gonna like, uh, say hi to one person, but like kind of avoid the other person just because they might be like, yeah, like, you know, that they're. 
there's probably a conversation that you don't want to have or mm, you feel uh, like you're condoning what they condone if you don't condone it. Yeah. You don't want to be a part of that. Right, right. Yeah. You know, mm, it's mm. not emotionally driven. There, But but there might be more emotional, like pride and anger. Uh, maybe maybe there's also like uh, socioeconomic reasons. Okay, and, sure. Um, yeah, because th- that, that quickly just brought to mind um, – a research paper that I did kind of as like the capstone for uh, my degree in journalism, which was mainly on like international journalism, but hitting on the two like uh, phenomena of uh, ethnocentricity and xenophobia, specifically in reporting, but like realistically, um, I mean, pretty much anybody could have either of those two things like operating in their life, even like, you know, even without being, aware of it um like if you're only comfortable with your culture or your like understanding of you know what you know american society or wherever you live what it should look like and and sound like and uh you know and feel like um and then if you're not open enough or like having that type of like uh flexibility in your mind or like what is it like uh plasticity to to like absorb like maybe like observe other cultures in have interactions where you're willing to like you know take in new ideas or at least like consider them or weigh them through if you're yeah if you're not willing to do that then you know you're just kind of like boxing yourself in um as opposed to you know being able to maybe grow or like expand your your perspective or your horizon yeah and and, you know the thing about like ethnocentricity it's not I don't, I mean, it is faultable when you come to a a place where you can like look outside of it and you're, you have a broader perspective, Mm -hmm. but I think for people that are like in, um, an isolated community, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we both kind of come from that, you know, um, like big bear (laughs) as much as, and it's actually, I think it's actually sharpened by this factor is that. You grow up in a small community, of mm. about five thousand local residents. Okay. Wow. And then you have an influx of you know twenty thousand people on the weekend. Okay. Or okay. maybe more. Mm. And it's like get out of my town. <laughs> uh uh-huh. right? Sure. So, so it's like, yeah. um, <clears throat> but you know, for for all that, I remember there are different experiences that I had after I joined the army, where it was I would I met like real groups of like, like black people for the first time. It was, uh-huh. um, it was really, it really shattered a lot of stereotypes uh-huh. and maybe uh-huh. also kind of like shown me where they came from as I got to know, like the, the, the culture of, okay. you know, some, you know, really good people that I, um, yeah. that I was like, Oh, that's, that's where the stereotype comes from. But of uh-huh. course it's not like the, yeah yeah you know, it's not a derogatory sense it's just uh-huh. like um they have certain experiences growing up from their childhood where uh-huh. like and especially in the south and it's probably for like you know yeah. white black children in the south it's like you eat collard greens yeah yeah but sure. you don't in big bear <laughs> you <laughs> yeah know, you uh-huh. just don't uh-huh. so it's like oh well that's where that comes from yeah um and then yeah it was and i didn't necessarily have negative ethnocentric thoughts i just had you know ethnocentric thoughts that like Uh this is the way the world works and yeah yeah. this is how you get to know people Mm -hmm. and it's just what i experienced in big bear 
yeah, it's it's understandable, especially because I, I can relate to that. I mean, in at least comparatively to Southern California, uh, you know, growing up in uh, like kind of just into the countryside in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, like I was um, like where I grew up was basically surrounded by farms. But then, you know, like five minutes from like a shopping area where like during the summers we'd get a lot of tourists um especially from like new york and maybe new jersey and like other areas um whereas like during the year it was then just back to you know um i guess like primarily um like german dutch you know Mm -hmm. kind of that like european heritage of like people all throughout the area and like only if you go into the city then you see more like um, you know, more Hispanic of a population. Yeah, growing up more more in the countryside and then in Pennsylvania, um, it, it was easier just to kind of stay in your own uh, culture that you're familiar with. But then, you know, the, the, more, the more experiences I had of like meeting people then from like, you know, let's say like inner city Harrisburg, um, it kind of, I then started to see, okay, well, like, as I was then learning Spanish at that time, it helped me to like connect with people where their background was, you know, a lot different than what I was used to growing up. But then like the, the commonality of Spanish helped me like connect with them more um, at the time. And then of course, then coming to Southern California, uh, something that I really enjoyed was just getting the chance to meet people from all different places um, and that, even though it was like diff- a lot different than the maybe just like neutral or positive sense of ethnocentricity of what I knew growing up, that the more I saw what other people, uh, you know, like their backgrounds, what they were experience, their experiences, it then helped me maybe like find or like it maybe helped me place my upbringing in, in a more like... Uh, I don't know, a healthy light or perspective. Yeah, and I think that's kind of something that I've... Uh, well, and these are kind of stories that you find in the media, but um, you you find often accounts of, like, people who grow up in a... Uh, maybe with certain racial biases, and that's a form of ethnocentricity. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, you know, that's when it takes the negative form, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not just a, a matter of ignorance it's like now you're actively hating uh-huh. somebody dude. yeah but uh-huh. the cause of i think that hate is is ignorance itself mm-hmm. um but a lot like i've heard stories and I, i've read articles about like how when somebody gets removed like from that actually this guy he's kind of a weird guy <laughs> but I, I think it's darren brown uh on netflix he had a show okay. where he actually and this is exactly what i'm talking about is like he took this guy to like face certain fears and overcome certain hatreds that he had. Like he didn't like Mexican people. Okay. And um, throughout the show, um, he's actually conditioning the guy through a series, there's this process of like hypnosis and suggestion. And <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's <laughs> kind of weird, right? Okay. Uh-huh. But, but, well, the important part is because this guy, like, by the end of the show, they stage this scene where the guy is he's put into a situation where he's become more aware of who mexican people are 
at the end of the show, he gets lot, like left in a biker bar. Okay. And at the biker <laughs> bar, the, all the bikers there are the, – everybody's planted, uh-huh. right? Okay, okay. So, yeah. So all the bikers there are part of the plant, and they're, like, trying to get this guy. They're like, hey, man, you're cool, right? Like, <laughs> uh-huh. like, like, right on, brother. And they, like, give this, this uh, guy, this unsuspecting guy – a leather jacket. They, <laughs> okay. They're clearly like a white racist. You know, they got like Confederate flags on their biker uh, okay, vest. Okay. And so this Mexican group walks in. They're like, "Hey, you need to get out of our bar." And the guy is like, not really standing up for them because he's like, well, "I don't know these people." And he's he's intimidated and he's uh-huh. like, just drinking the beer that they offered him and wearing the leather jacket uh-huh. that they gave him. And okay. he's he's been indoctrinated, you know, not indoctrinated, but uh, in, inducted into their game. Okay. Okay. And uh-huh. and. Uh, so eventually, like, the Mexican guys are like, okay, fine, whatever, we're out of here. And then, mm. like, the, <laughs> the part of the stage thing is, like, they kick over the motorcycles, uh-huh. right? Like, uh-huh. like, straight out of a movie. Okay, right? uh-huh. And, and uh, so the white biker gang grabs the Mexican guys. And the white guys, they, they grab the subject, uh-huh. this guy that has no idea what's going on. Uh-huh. They lead – they take him – they grab the Mexican guys. They kidnap the Mexican guys. Oh, my goodness. They take this guy out to a field. What? Right? Yeah. And they're going to kill the Mexican guys. Oh, my guys. goodness. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like – That's really intense. Yeah. They're just like oh. a – Yeah. Yeah. The guy, thing. Yeah. And he thinks it's all real. Uh-huh. And he's freaking out because he doesn't like Mexicans according to him, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And, um, but he, re- he feels like – because he had some kind of like meeting – one of the – more directly staged things was like he had these meeting with like these like Mexican people and he got to know them and talk to them. Okay. But it was like, this is a thing that's been going on for like a couple months, uh-huh. this program and conditioning thing. And this okay. is like one day he met some Mexican people uh-huh. and then that's it. Uh-huh. So like, you know, a few weeks later he's talking to this, like, or he's, he's watching this Mexican guy about to get shot uh-huh. and He's been forced to do things and overcome fears by um, – he listens – like the, the hypnotist guy will play a tone uh-huh. and then ask him to do the thing. Uh-huh. So it's like Pavlov's dog. Okay. Uh-huh. So sure. they – he's listening to a radio program that's actually still a part of the <laughs> – like even the radio program in the guy's truck is part of this thing. Uh-huh. And it, it plays – in a commercial jingle. Uh-huh. So he hasn't been aware of this tone. Oh, it's really? just been there. Uh-huh. And he hears it in the thing and it triggers him to be courageous. Uh-huh. And his act of courage uh-huh. is to go stand in front of the gun. Uh-huh. He gets out of the truck and goes wow. like, dude, don't kill this guy. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, dude, either get out of my way or I'm shooting you. Uh-huh. And he's like, then you're going to have to shoot me. You know? Wow. So, like wow. that's insane. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so it's like, then did they tell him the yeah that's the, when everybody the, the, and like his girlfriend was involved okay so like he so wow, that's that that's really intense yeah through a lot of like conditioning and stuff so i uh-huh. i just kind of think like <laughs> so, all that being said uh-huh. uh when you hear about people coming out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and that's a very modeled and constructed example but there are yeah, other sure. stories of just people that end up in a different country or being saved by a group of people or you know whatever uh-huh. it is uh-huh. and their horizons expand yeah and i think they did for that guy yeah uh-huh. and uh, there's similar stories that aren't you know forced and constructed and sure yeah you know, yeah manufactured so uh-huh. yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think like 
I think that is at least some type of example, although albeit extreme, of how, I mean, really anybody, regardless of how like how how much your background was just like you know monochromatic or just like eth- ethnocentric, um, that you know it, it you know it could it could take a lot or a little, but as as long as there are those types of like opportunities to uh, you know to meet to meet people to find yourself in new uh, settings that you know people can find you know maybe t- much to their even to their their own surprise um, finding like uh, I guess just more variety in like their their perspective on life and you know uh, well yeah and you know as a little bit of a caveat on that story mm-hmm. like the cathartic the experience that he had with like the Mexican people was less of a constructed thing, you know, like the first one. And like, he had tears in his eyes cause he never really talked to the people. Mm-hmm. So like before all the conditioning really took off in that crazy scenario, uh-huh. just that one moment of having a conversation with people who are migrant farm workers, uh-huh. um, like it was a really cathartic experience for him. Okay. Without all the other bells and whistles of uh-huh. yeah, yeah. conditioning. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that because I because I think that story uh-huh. could be kind of easily dismissed because it was so heavily orchestrated. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think sometimes the tendency can be, or I guess that, that there's there might be a feeling of, well, if I don't like draw a hard line of, of what I think is right, that then I could just be kind of swayed any which way. But but there's a, a healthy sense of just being open and willing to listen and engage with people that should only like affirm a sense of like uh, community or camaraderie, even if you have different opinions or even if you have different, you know, like experiences or backgrounds that you bring to the table. I think that's, I think that's an unfortunate struggle sometimes when you find it in the church, you know, you have like people like the Westboro Baptist church and they're not as uncommon of a mindset as the church at large would like you to believe, you know, um, they are a very particular group mindset, but, uh, I think if you go, depending on where you go in the United States, um, or even within the churches in Southern California, you can find, uh, people with like a real, real hatred or, you know, towards groups of people that maybe they don't go picketing, Uh um, you know, funerals, but they, they find certain things disgusting or they find that they, the, like, uh, antagonism towards other people. I, I think that the model of who Jesus is scripturally and uh-huh. in my own experience in, in the lives of most people, uh-huh. uh, though, uh, not all, if I'm going to be honest, uh-huh. is that, you know, he, he opens doors to loving people that aren't like you. Yeah, that's totally good. Yeah, that's totally right. Yeah. yeah. So, and and I think that's because, at a fundamental level, if you truly believe that Jesus is, you know, God, uh-huh. that you know God empties Himself yeah. to take on this image, yeah, to relate to some group of people <laughs> that 
in in some ways, you know, being created in the image of God are like him, uh-huh. but in the activity of our minds <laughs> and hearts yeah. are, are nothing like him. Right, right. right. And uh-huh. and yet he he reached across that to to connect. That that's that's really right on like what you were saying with him really just showing what it means to uh come down into like the the starkly different you know contrasting reality of someone else um than 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 like where than where you're coming from um but being able to like embrace uh embrace somebody uh regardless of of their hang-ups or their like you know issues that jesus shows what yeah just what it means to to love without you know putting like conditions on whether or not you know someone is worth it or uh yeah yeah or what what society would claim claim is worth yeah worth it you know yeah um you know like part of the tradition of israel is that there's a belief that that abraham is uh chosen by god right uh-huh. uh to start this particular covenant and uh-huh. uh, Megan was actually noticing that because um, she's studying that section of scripture uh-huh. is that the blessing and this is something I think we should all know as Christians is that if you really believe that you've been grafted into that tree yeah like you said yeah which is absolutely right then you are part of a not just a, a promise of blessing, but mm-hmm. a, a covenantal relationship where you are the blessing to all people with God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like God is going to utilize Abraham yeah, to wow. bless him. And then all the nations through Abraham will be blessed. Uh-huh. Right. And the covenant is like, like you said, like fulfilled and I think renewed um, through Christ yeah. And now through the people who Jesus is saying, like, you're the light of the world, right? Uh-huh, go, uh-huh. go shine. Yeah. And the, yeah. the blessing is to people beyond Israel, yeah. beyond the Christian community. Uh-huh. It's to everyone. Yeah. Regardless. And, and yeah. the best way you can do that is to model a, a behavior of uh, acceptance and, and maybe don't fault yourself if you've, find yourself in an ethnocentric kind of like this is just the way we do things yeah yeah but you know challenge yourself to you know Mm -hmm. really grow uh, beyond it yeah because the the early church had that dilemma you know right from the gate of like you know they they heard jesus say you know like in jerusalem samaria judea and to the ends of the earth but then there was like they had they had hang-ups in like yeah. In, in just regard- getting out the door. Yeah, just getting, just getting out the door <laughs> and like really dealing with, oh, like can can we, is it is it a, like should I really be eating with these people from the not Jewish background? Uh, but then like then seeing like dialogue and resolution of hey th- this is for everybody, this is for all nations and not just what we you know grew up believing that it was like only for. A certain people, I guess, just as it as it began to to spread, I mean, like literally, you know, regardless of where you grew up in the world, um, that 
there's something just like uh there's something that hits the heart of anybody like you could grow up in a remote area you could grow grow up like in the middle of a city but like once the good news like the good news resonates with the human heart because everyone has that like in them that they were made for something other than just like this physical world other than you know just like the man-made traditions or man-made like you know like worshiping a tree or worshiping like yeah you know animals yeah. or like uh shrines or something yeah but, which you know some people they really do <laughs> like i don't get it I, I mean i think i had a little weird moment in my teen years uh where i was not worshiping those things but like probably giving them more adoration than they were due uh-huh sure yeah um, yeah yeah because i've i found i guess the more the more just like my attention has been on just like circumstances uh and like the things around me in life that um i guess just like the the time the times in my life when i haven't had like a vibrant sense of god's spirit being with me and his him being real and like alive and active that my focus was was just on like you know the the what's what's the things that are difficult around me or the the challenges or i guess just like my ability to like hope and dream seemed to be dampened by the fact that i was only looking at the physical world and just finding myself like displeased and like disillusioned with 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 everything around me regardless of whether things were good or or bad or challenging and maybe that's like a place that we can find strength when i like you were saying when i live for the things here and i get focused on whether they're successful or fail failure uh-huh. failing yeah then i get frustrated and maybe that's you know a lot of what jesus meant when you know, we're talking about being cast to and fro, uh-huh. you know, having no faith and just being like a wave in the sea is like, yeah, this week the stock market's up. <laughs> this week the stock market's down. Yeah. You know, and the like constant. Yeah. You can, you know, you can't trust in that. But if you look to the Lord mm-hmm. and really believe and trust that the things that you've done in this life for God and for loving other people and the, you know, the reward of heaven is is great it's secure and it's eternal yeah and um that's definitely a good thing to live for and a good thing to focus on and i hope that that's kind of what this show continues to bring out of meaningful conversations you know yeah so i i hope uh, that people continue to tune in and if you have any ideas for the show uh go ahead and email Mark, no. <laughs> Email me. I'll have a link. And um, we appreciate any feedback. Thanks again for listening to The Theology Box. I want to thank my co-host, Mark Miller, as well as our music producer, Richard Liotto, our artist, Phoebe Sugo at sugo.studios on Instagram, and Megan Napier, who manages our Facebook, where you can reach us directly. Again, this is your host, William Carroll. Uh, Thanks, and may the peace of the Lord be with you.